so hello everyone welcome to our inspiring thoughts podcast uh today we're super lucky to have kirsty knight uh join us who's the hr director for extract so uh, welcome to the podcast kirsty thank you Stephen. it's nice to be here yeah and um i hear through the grapevine for 2023 you've got promotion already so i have super exciting yeah very exciting yeah Yeah. very exciting yeah so congratulations so um kirsty's had um questions sent through to her beforehand so she's got preparation but before we get into the questions kirsty about modernizing hr policies would you just give people a brief history of your career path yeah sure so prior prior to this role i held a number of um well a variety of hr roles at zero financial services and i've worked there for just about 19 years um and then i moved to nationwide bill and society where i held um some senior hr positions there one being the senior hr business partner for their retail regulated business so that was looking after around 9000 employees so a sizable part of their business and i had a team of business partners um that supported me with that role I then took a a bit of a sideways step to to look after the people services transformation. And at the time, that was really around re-engineering the engine room of HR and making it really fit for the future and a lot more employee centric. And I really enjoyed that role. It was a fantastic role. And um, after completing that, I then decided that the time was right to go for a different role outside of financial services. And um, I found myself at Extrac, and here I am today. Wonderful. And I love that. Just picking up there, which most people think careers is a straightforward linear process that I go through but I love the way yeah, you just said do. I took a sideways move yeah um, and yeah, I know it's not one of our questions but step. what what was the what was this why was the sideways move why did it appeal to you uh it appealed to me because I had aspirations that I wanted to do a, a more senior role within HR and the bit that was missing for me was I didn't have any of that experience within a people services function. So I'd served some time around recruitment, reward, business partnering, talent, learning, development. But actually working in that that HR engine room was the bit that was missing for me. And I had the opportunity to work with an amazing group of people that run people services. And um, it, it seemed a, a natural progression. The work that I was given to do there, which was all around change and transformation, which is what I love doing, um, it seemed to play to my strengths as well. So I had a, I had a, a, a cracking time with people yeah. services and everybody that worked there. Yeah. And if uh, probably this is a $64 million question. If you hadn't have done that, would you have got your X-Track role as HR I don't, director? I don't think I would have done because I think to have that understanding yeah. of how all the processes, the procedures, um, the quality side of HR, how that actually works, have stood me in really good stead. Because in a manufacturing environment, everything is built on your processes. So I'd learned how to write processes, how to measure them. I went through audits as well. So that's really stood me in good stead with my extract job. And it also gave me so much to talk about a different side of HR and bring in that rigour, which is something that was missing, I think, at Extrac. Um, we had had HR processes in place, but the way our business has grown and expanded, they weren't really fit for the future with the way the business was going and the size that it was growing. So my time in people services was um absolutely fundamental to me getting this role 
And it's, I think it's um, really good just to echo about building up, I call it your sports bag or kit bag of um, yeah. kind of building up ideas, suggestions, making sure you're ready for the next role. But I just loved also that self-reflection of saying I needed to do that rather than I see a lot of people just chasing jobs but never get them and don't realise that they need to build their kit bag to get those roles, which is fantastic. Okay. So okay. would you just tell people what X-Track do? So what so Xtrap make uh, transmission systems and to you and I, that is a lot of gearboxes, yeah. um, but also various other parts of high performance automotives and motorsports. So those are the two strands of our business. So high performance automotive is really building those high end cars for the future, both with electronic transmission systems um, and moving away from what's called ICE, which is internal combustion engines. So yeah. that's a, a huge part of our business now that is growing at pace. We've then got the motorsport side. So predominantly we are huge in America. So we, we do all the gearboxes for NASCAR and IndyCar. Um, we also do a lot of motorsports over in Europe, Australia. So it's a true global business when it comes to manufacturing um, our transmission systems. Ah, fantastic so and it's um global as well um and it's just i find it it's not an industry that i've come from but i find it fascinating to come it see is what fascinating. Actually goes, yeah and yeah. i can see in your face yeah. what, what's and what what's great about it is we've got what i would call from cradle to grave so we design it all here at thatcham we manufacture all the parts we assemble all the parts and we dispatch all the parts from this site so it's a real end-to-end -end process there so lots of clever engineers and um factory operatives that yeah. work here nice that's superb and i can see i was just saying i can see in your face about the passion and excitement from cradle to grave about actually being involved in that process which is i think it's fantastic and you can see definitely why you're loving your role um so going into our questions kirsty about modernizing hr policies yes. and how we feel so what's your view on the traditional grievance bullying and harassment policies the traditional ones wrote in the 90s what's your view Oh, my, my view is, well, throughout all my HR career, the whole grievance process, I don't think there's any winners in it for a start. And um, I think it's very, very much promoting blame, vision, um, confrontation. I think it's very stressful, not only for the person that is raising the grievance or bullying and harassment claim, but also the person that's at the end of that as well. So I believe that also that it's not really the culture that any company would want to put their name to I don't think they'd want to make their employees feel like that so my view is that there's got to be a better way yeah. and a much more modern way of addressing areas in yeah. with this kind of policy because um, definitely the traditional approach is absolutely counterculture. I think to ever having a positive impact on an employee or anyone involved in the whole process yeah and I find as um to follow on from that as well about inclusivity that actually a lot of companies I hear saying we want to be inclusive we want to value our colleagues etc but yeah. their policies are complete drive opposite the they drive it the other way and they can and companies can't see why that culture becomes a bit toxic or blame I win you lose culture rather than actually the inclusive side so uh, I kind of love your views there yeah. uh, and actually about getting that culture right because the policies do set up that culture as well which is fantastic. And what would you see the benefits yeah. are to you as an organisation or a person from moving away from those old traditional policies or harmful policies? What's the benefits? Well, well, for me, I believe we need to start treating our people a bit more like adults. 
and having sort of policies in place that encourage people, I think, to use their, their common sense and encourage that more sort of constructive dialogue. Um, and especially having policies that don't destroy relationships between between individuals as well. I think that's absolutely fundamental. And I do think HR's got a massive role to play here because I think traditionally HR's seen as like the, the controlling parent and a bit the, the authoritarian arm of the company. And I think that forces then HR to make the decisions rather than individuals taking accountability for it and what outcome they specifically want. Um, and I'm a great believer that if you get this approach right, it really does act as a catalyst for the kind of culture that you want people to work within yeah. and can also how accelerate and influence the kinds of behaviours that you want in the workplace as well. Yeah. And, and I like the way that you position there about the HR role, because I think HR, yeah. um, just my own perception is like piggy in the middle uh, for sometimes is you've got they're there firefighting. So to protect right. and, and I've, if I was to do a survey of 100 HR colleagues, I'm sure and this is just a Steve opinion, they didn't pick to come into the role to firefight. They come into the no. role to strategize <laughs> and coach and develop and move forward. Um, so it's just yeah. so great that you're, you're, you're saying there, grabbing hold of that HR role for actually rather than being in that kind of um, parent. I think you use the word parent position, That's which is right. we want to give that back to the leaders to resolve as well, don't we? We do. Yeah. And I think specifically the individuals as well. Yeah. I think they, they've got to take a bit of ownership and accountability for this as well in driving what they want to happen. Yeah. yeah. And, and I just think that's that bit about giving the control back to the colleagues to try and resolve uh, rather than subcontracting the issues to somebody else that yes. becomes judge and jury uh, from that yeah. aspect. So, yeah, definitely. I really love that. Really love that kind of um, positiveness. And um, so uh, I know you've been at Extract now. How long has it been? You've been at Extract oh, now? About eight months. Eight months. Eight months now. So uh, yeah. what changes have you made so far uh, in Extract uh, around policies or trying to support colleagues? What have you done so far, Kirsty? So the first thing I've done is I've made changes to our approach to policy writing because um, I think that that's one of the main interactions that employees have with HR is they'll refer to the to the yeah. policies that we've got. So I've looked at all our existing policies with my HR business partners and we've moved some of them to much more of a principle base. So what that means is we're allowing people to use more of their common sense, think for themselves and do the right thing. Yeah. So if you don't if you don't think it's the right thing, then then don't do it. But we're not being um, directive yeah. so much now. And we've also taken the opportunity to really look at the tone of voice in those policies as well. So removing things like I refer to like being the authoritarian arms where we use language like you must, uh, you need to. Yeah. And we're, we're moving that more to a bit more of a softer tone that things like we recognise and if there is a good reason or you may choose. So it supports sort of the, the whole aspirations that we've got of creating that whole culture of like empowerment and freedom to, to make the right choice. Now, we know full well that probably 99 percent of our people will 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 be like an adult yeah. and will adhere to those principles and follow follow the, the other policies that we've got. And there's probably a very small percentage that won't. So rather than branding everyone that they're going to do the wrong thing, we will pick up those people that do the wrong thing and we will manage them as a as a smaller cohort, recognising that we want that whole trust and empowerment thing to, to come through as part of our culture. 
Um, the other thing that I've looked at changing as well is that we, we don't unfortunately have many grievances or bullying and harassment claims. Um, but I'm also encouraging for the ones that we have had of using more mediation and asking our employees, what does a good look like happen to them when you get some kind of dispute in, in the workplace? And I think that's been quite refreshing. And I don't think people think about that at the start. I think they think they'll raise it to HR, HR will solve it for them. Whereas having to be part of the process and sit down you know, with two parties to say, you're going to talk to each other, you're going to work it out and we're going to move forward and we're going to nip it in the bud and put it behind us, draw a line under it and we'll all move on. And we've had a couple of cases here at Extrat where that approach has worked really successfully. So which saves a lot of time for everybody. The issue's nipped in the bud. People aren't through this sort of lengthy grievance process. And um, we've, we've, we've been all able to move on. So yeah. it's been much more productive. And the and relationship, it's... importantly, is not broken down either. Yeah, and it's it's amazing, isn't it? Going back to a couple of things there, if you nip things in the bud early enough, uh, and I call it in a Steve way of let's have a cup of tea and a chat, um, and kind of then try to resolve it, the benefits just outweigh by miles, don't they? Well, they do. About actually, you can resolve it. And conflict, a lot of people always think conflict's bad. It's not. It's conflict is good to resolve issues yeah, and move forward. And you is. may disagree, but to kind of get that part from there. I'd just like to go back as well where you said about earlier on about tone of policies yeah. and tone of voice etc i think it's so important rather than you must you know we will or all this kind of stuff that puts people on the back foot it changing does. tone encourages people to chat yeah. about their issues uh, and talk forward and i think the other bit i really loved a lot of the policies are written for the minority That's of right, bad behavior rather than actually where you've just turned it completely on the head of saying actually the majority 99 percent of people are really good they want to do a good job why are we writing policies that actually affect that 99 percent for the one percent so i think it's exactly. fantastic you're looking at majority of the colleagues to kind of encourage as well which is fantastic isn't it it is it's good yeah really yeah. good yeah really good so um you've been at uh, x-track for eight months and i know you've done a lot there already which is fantastic. Um, how have you encouraged stakeholders to embrace the new way of working and new ideas and modern policies? How have you kind of encouraged stakeholders to come on that journey? Well, I've done done a lot of work with sort of our, our leaders. And I think at Extra, we're fortunate enough to have a leadership team, particularly our CEO, Adrian Moores, really, really open for change and doing things differently. So by engaging them and sharing them sort of direction of travel where I think our culture needs to go and some of the influences that we need to sort of change along the way, that has been absolutely key. The the other thing that I've done here is we we don't have um, a union here. So what I have done is to sort of make sure we've got that whole colleague voice is I've stood up an employee engagement forum. So I've got representatives from every single area of our business. We meet monthly and I use that forum then to almost test some of the, the thinking and new ways of working. And they've been, they've been great. They've been really embraced in this. And I think it's around um, letting them have their say on things as well, because ultimately they're going to be on the receiving end of a lot of this. So it's been great to have them on board as well. So those, those I would say, are my two sort of biggest stakeholders and yeah. how I've gone about sort of trying yeah. to drive some of this change. And that's um, the bit there which is refreshing again is, A, the CEO is open-minded. 
Uh, and yeah. that's great, isn't it? And I think when it I is. when I work with senior leadership people, the more open minded people are and they may not do the decision, but it's just being aware of it or open minded. They may change later on. But I also love about people having their voice. So colleagues having the opportunity to share their voice and views and also use a HR specialist to test how things are going, because no disrespect, the policies land on the people on the ground uh, kind of that affect them more. So I think that's fantastic to do uh, from those colleagues. And I bet there's some good, honest opinions uh, from people. a lot of honesty. Yeah. They're certainly not shine coming forward, our employees. Yeah, which, <laughs> which is, great. is good. <laughs> yeah, it is good. It is good. Rather than being hidden away, it's out in the open uh, from that perspective. So. What challenges have you faced implementing the new policies or new HR working for extract? What kind of challenges um, have you faced? I think I think whenever I'm looking at doing any change, I'll, I'll always start with um, what challenges am I am I going to be facing? So and trying to figure out well why would they why would they want to support this change? Uh, what's in it for them? Um, why should they change? What's the benefits? Uh, what results are we going to see as a as a difference? And and sometimes that can involve cost as well. So you know, what, where where's the cost saving or the return on investment or something along those lines? And I think I've also tried to present things that it's not a fait accompli. So giving people the opportunity to to question, test the thinking, the rationale for the change um, does help avoid some of those challenges that you may get later on as well. So I found that that's probably been my my strategy, I yeah. suppose, of overcoming some of the challenges that I think I might face. And it's great already that you touched on earlier about mediation skills and the colleagues experience, but the skills you're doing there is mediation saying, let me see how walking in the other people's shoes or colleagues yeah. shoes, how they would yeah, feel, definitely. what would they want from this? Um, and at the end of the day, there is a cost return on the kind of return on investment that people always seem to assume that new modern HR policies are quite soft and gentle, but they're not. They're kind of really commercially savvy to move forward an organisation where you can then put the money back into the good That's stuff. It rather yeah. than in the, the firefighting <laughs> stuff part if that That's makes it. sense yeah so it's a fantastic so um what advice so we, we get a lot of people contact me and challenge me saying I want to do this Steve um changing to more modern policies etc what advice would you give to our listeners about embracing a new HR suite or policies what advice would you give so the advice uh, advice I would give is that ju just go for it. What could be better than actually empowering your people to resolve their own issues and reduce the reliance on a very uh, antiquated formal process that I think has got a large history of being not particularly good at resolving disputes in the workplace. And in particular, the important bit for me is the, the destruction that it causes relationships as well. So for me as well, I like working fast. So the speed at which you know you can resolve issues and, and disputes is far quicker, uh, much less stressful for individuals as well. So it creates, I think, a better employee experience overall as well. And you mentioned about the commercial aspect. Well, the commercial aspect here is the reduction in time that, it, that you save in, in preparing for things like a grievance, uh, the potential absence costs where people decide oh, I might go sick or I don't want to face into this. And as I said at the start as well, I'm pretty, pretty sure all organisations would want that kind of culture in place in their workplace. Yeah. And it's um about you, I really like the word you keep going back to culture uh, about workplace and culture. Uh, and I love the phrase at the beginning, just go for it. 
you know, <laughs> what, 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 what can happen if you think about it? It, it, it can't get much worse than what these policies no. are doing. And, and even the word you put there, destruction, they do cause enormous amount of destructions through the process. And I think people forget that when they're going through this process, who else is hurt with it? So it's not yes. just the two parties. I use an example no, going not. through it. It's the HR colleagues, the investigation colleagues. And then people forget that actually they've got families at home. So they go through it as well because nobody walks through the door at five o'clock and goes, that's it. I switch off. They're affected no. by this process as well. Uh, and I think from all the researchers, nine times out of ten, people that go through a grievance, bullying, harassment process do not get what they want out of the process. So actually, no, it, it's not going to get there for them, if that makes sense. No. No. So I get um, to finish off our last question today. So I get a lot of questions, people being nosy and saying, well, what's what's on kind of our uh, guests personal development plans or what are they striving to do in 2023? So what, what would you say is on your kind of um, 2023 goal list to, uh, from oh, your self-development? That's, that's probably an easy one for me. So having come from sort of large corporate organisations like Zuria and Nationwide, you were really spoiled because you had uh, a really good sort of internal network. You had teams whose job was to to look at that whole external landscape and, and move the latest sort of innovation for, for HR. Coming to a much smaller organisation, you, you need to graft to, to be able to maintain things like your external view on things and what's happening in the marketplace. And I'm, I'm really enjoying doing that and putting the effort in. I think at, at sometimes when you're in a large corporate, you can get a little bit lazy around doing that. But when when you're out here sort of on your own, so to speak, with a small, small HR team, um, that for me, maintaining my external network, um, having an opportunity to catch up with you again, Stephen, is great and find out, you know, the latest thinking what, what's happening in, in your world um, is really good. So for me, that is that is my personal development this year. I also want to to really crank the handle up on how we approach things like mediation in, in our workplace as well and whether I can get some mediation champions throughout the business as well to really sort of start nipping, nipping more stuff in the bud of issues that we may not be aware of in HR as well. So a lot of work to do in that space as well. And I just love it. I'm smiling there uh, about because you and I both come from a financial industry. We have. But actually, we've worked with smaller kind of teams and units. But I, I, I feel your passion as well about grafting. It's so exciting <laughs> to, to find out new things and challenge yourself and put yourself in those uncomfortable positions to go, oh, wow, I've just learned something or something new. I think it's so invigorating. And I could just see that in your passion coming through there, which is wonderful. Really exciting. Good. So, Kirsty, can I just say a massive thank you today? I think we could just talk for ages and ages and having a good chat. So I want to say thank you for joining uh, no, the podcast welcome. today. Really appreciate you giving up your time. So um, good luck for 2023. Uh, I know you'll be a huge success uh, and I'm sure we'll catch up uh, in the near future. So thank you so much, Kirsty. Thank you, Stephen. See you soon.